Welcome to Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams. One recent article took as a given the newspaper industry's coming death. For those who love newspapers and value the work they do, the hope is that the industry can find its way in the digital age. Against this backdrop, Utah's largest newspaper, the Salt Lake Tribune, recently cut 34 employees from newsroom staff of 90 and made other cuts. The Ogden Standard Examiner recently laid off several staff members. And, of course, this is part of an ongoing trend nationwide. Our guest for the hour on the program is Salt Lake Tribune editor Jennifer Napier-Pierce. We're going to talk about the future of newspapers and uh, the Tribune in specific. And we want to know what you think about the newspaper industry and uh, local papers. Uh, you can email us right now to upraccess at gmail.com, upraccess at gmail.com. We're on Twitter at upraccess, and you can call us to 800-826-1495. Uh, Jennifer Napier-Pierce, uh, welcome to the program. Thanks. Um, it's great to be with you again. Thanks so much for the invite. This is a busy and stressful time for everyone at the Tribune, so we appreciate you taking uh, some some time. Um, let me start with uh, the specific cuts that uh, that, that happened. Uh, very stressful, I'm sure. Uh, painful. What are the underlying problems that uh, you're addressing here? Well, uh, a budget shortfall <laughs> is the short answer. I I think that it's no surprise, uh, as you mentioned in your uh, opening, that. Newspapers are struggling. Newspapers have financial constraints, and those have been accelerating over the past couple of years. Our owner has uh, made some significant investments in, in digital and upgrading our website and some new apps, but at the end of the day, um, it, it, the digital was not paying for uh, a newsroom of our size, and unfortunately that resulted in Cuts and deep cuts. Um, 34 people is very significant for this newsroom. Um, and you're right. I mean, it's it's sad. It's been traumatic for a lot of people, um, myself included. Uh, so in the fairly recent past, uh, you know, print was what drove it, right? Classified ads, is that with the main revenue? And then it's changed over time. That's right. Um, advertising has been a staple for print editions for decades and served us very, very well. Um, our print advertisers are looking at other options, and part of that is because our circulation is also going down. Fewer people are subscribing to uh, the, the printed newspaper. And it's ironic because the Salt Lake Tribune's audience as a whole has never been bigger. I mean, <laughs> our digital audience continues to grow. Um, but our print audience is also very important. It is, it is very expensive to print newspapers. The cost of newsprint has gone up. Um, our advertising has declined. Our subscribers have declined our, to the print. And so that just is uh, an equation where we're in this awkward place, you know? I mean, we're kind of in those teenage years where we can't, we can't foresee the future yet. Um, our past, our childhood has been tainted by the realities that we're encountering. And so we're, we are in definitely uh, a transitional period. So audience growing on digital, that's good, what, <laughs> but the money's not following? Is that the problem? Yeah, I mean, uh, part of it for a long time, people thought that the digital ad revenue would make up the difference, and it has not. Um, we do have a lot of digital advertising, but the the cost structure is very different. And I think uh, your audience 
can understand the difference that that uh, a global um, the, the global reach of uh, of digital advertising. So. Um, when you search for shoes, you're going to start getting ads pop up for shoes. It's not your local retailer in most cases. Those local retailers have been sort of the backbone of print advertising, um, and they are not the backbone of digital advertising. And so it, it, the numbers are just not adding up quite yet. Um, so we have turned to our subscribers. We launched a, a digital subscription about three months ago, and it's going very well. Um, but again, it's just not making up the difference for the declines in print. Yeah, I think that most of us recognize that when we go on to free sites, the, there's a trade-off. We're selling our eyeballs. But you're saying those are those are national outfits. It's not the local ones that are, that are I guess, paying for that advertising. Uh, I mean, there, there's plenty of local advertising, but again, um, the model is just so complicated. It's much more complicated than on the print side. And so when you're looking at advertising as a whole, it's it's just a completely different animal. So uh, are, there, are there hopeful signs? Do you think you, you see, you know, awkward teenage years? Are you going <laughs> to, newspaper's going to mature into, into something profitable here on the advertising side, digital side? Well, I, I certainly hope so. I mean, that's the reason why I'm still here. You know, I had to think long and hard. This is this is a very difficult time for newspapers, and I think everybody in our newsroom has to think, "Wow, this is a reality check." We've been living in this um, in sort of a bubble for a, a little while since Paul Huntsman bought the newspaper, um, and there are national trends that he cannot change as a single business person. I do see uh, some upsides for our future. Um, we're going to do the best that we can with the resources that we have. We have a very strong, dedicated team um, of, of reporters still here. So I don't want people to think that the, the newsroom is a graveyard. Uh, it's anything but. We still have the team that won a Pulitzer Prize for local reporting. We have a very strong group of political and, and policy reporters, so that government watchdog, that um, that watchdog role that the Tribune has traditionally played in, uh, in Utah will remain. Um, we still have the only uh, Utah, uh, Washington, D.C.-based reporter from a Utah news outlet, still in Washington, so he's going to keep an eye on our congressional delegation. Um, we've got a very ex uh, respected and experienced team keeping tabs on Utah's biggest power broker, the LDS Church. I mean, the, the Tribune is anything but going away. And in that regard, um, we continue to, we, we will continue to drive uh, a lot of the the news focus in the state. Um, as far as digital goes, again, our audience is strong um, and continues to grow. Our digital subscription program, even though it's in an infancy right now, I, I'm optimistic that that will continue to grow. And, you know, it, it's hard to overcome 20 years of not paying for news online. But I do think that there is a recognition from the public at large that they need to support trusted voices, reliable sources of information. And so um, I'm hoping that that continues to, to build, that digital uh, subscription program continues to build. 
I think uh, I could take myself as a maybe representative. Um, you know, I love newspapers, value it. I mean, I tell myself I value it, right? Um, I can only subscribe to so many. I, have I know. To, have to make choices, you know? Um, yeah. And, and so... Uh, and then paywalls go up, and then I, I I shake my fist at it, but but by one, but I I realize fully realize it's necessary. So let me start there. Um, Salt Lake Tribune going to have a paywall. Salt Lake Tribune has a paywall. Um, okay. We do do ten free articles every month, um, but if you want beyond that, if you want some of our in depth coverage, uh, you need to pay. We feel it's a, a very reasonable price at seven ninety nine a month, and you know if you give up one lunch a month for solid local news, then I, I think that's worth it. Um, in an age where you have Hulu and Netflix and Spotify, I don't think it's as foreign a concept for people to pay for what they consume. And if lo- local news is important, um, it's, it's like the public radio model. You definitely get your value out of it. And so if you contribute to UPR, then you understand that you are – helping to support a resource that you rely on. Same thing with the Tribune. I, I'm hopeful that consumers are savvy enough to, to understand that connection. Um, you've made that connection to, to public radio. By the way, this would be a good uh, time to plug behind the headlines, uh, which we air here on Utah Public Radio, uh, which is uh, features Salt Lake Tribune uh, reporters. Comes from our good folks, uh, good friends at KCBW. That's Fridays uh, in this time slot. Um I wonder, and there have been suggestions in certain circles, newspapers ought to go to the not-for-profit model, um, kind of uh, join the world of public radio, where it's a not so much a subscription, but it's a donation, it's a membership, and you you give as much as you can kind of a thing. And I think there are some sentiments in the community where uh, people do think of newspapers uh, kind of in that realm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, it's a concept worth exploring. Um I do think that there are some some unique factors for the newspapers. Uh, you know, it's easy to start up a Politico, which is an online news source. It's investigative. It's it's terrific, but it doesn't have sort of those legacy trappings of how do you get people's newspapers to a doorstep uh, before six a.m. You know, those kinds of logistical things cost money. They take a lot of resources. Um, for public radio, again, you don't have that circulation distribution piece of it. And um, there have been a couple of legacy newspapers try the nonprofit model. The jury is still out on whether that's going to work. Um, the biggest one, of course, being the Philadelphia Inquirer. Their owner set up an endowment for them. Um, but at the same time, they still need a base of customer support, just like we do, just like you do. Uh, And they also are in this this world that is in um, very tumultuous times right now. You have a newspaper industry that costs a lot of money just to produce the product. And so a a nonprofit will not be immune to those forces. So um, the Inquirer made that transference uh, a couple of years ago. I think people are still still kind of waiting to see if it works for them because, um, again, you have this, this legacy part to the business that's very, very expensive. Do you, this is radical. <laughs> um, do you need the print side? Do you, eventually, do you just slough off the print side and, and go digital? 
Well, um, some newspapers have done that. We've seen newspapers across the country trim back their print offerings to a couple of days a week. They'll do, you know, a Thursday, Friday, Sunday edition. Um, And it it does pencil out to some extent. Again, though, I mean, we have, uh, it's something that we've looked at. We're not there yet. Our customer base is still very strong. Um, even though it's declining <laughs> more rapidly than we'd like, there are dedicated uh, print subscribers out there who really like that newspaper, and I'm one of them. So I, I totally get it. Um, you know, we'll have to see how it shakes out in the next few years. Everything is very fluid right now. And uh, I will say that the, the Salt Lake Tribune is in a, a very – it's a unique partnership with the Deseret News. So we share print uh, facilities with them, and we're tied into this joint operating agreement. The Tribune and the Deseret News are the only newspapers who operate daily print editions to in a market. So <laughs> we're in a, a very unique animal. And so the JOA is, is great in a lot of respects, but it does put constraints on us. Um, I think going all digital at this point is is not an option um, financially or for our customers, for our loyal customers. We don't, we're not ready to do that yet. Is the, the so Salt Lake Tribune and Des News the only ones in the nation? So there are five uh, remaining JOAs. Five remaining. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. Yes, um, but ours is unique in that we both both newspapers are still printing daily editions. No other JOA is doing that mm-hmm. right now. They've trimmed back. They've scaled back dramatically yeah. on the print editions. Um, the other aspect that a, J- a JOA sort of puts um, a unique twist on is that um, y- we have a partner that we can't control, <laughs> if that makes sense. Uh, the Philadelphia Inquirer, which I mentioned before, they've gone um, nonprofit. They, they're not in a JOA. They don't have uh, uh a competitor in the market, really. So they have a little bit more flexibility than organizations like the Tribune and the Deseret News. Mm. I mean, we're, we're in this together. Our JOA is good through the end of 2020, and so um, we're going to continue to work with them. They need us, and we need them. The, the it was controversial at the time. I'm not sure when it was uh, renegotiated. It was time when you were owned by the hedge fund, right? Uh, the, mm-hmm. the the percentages were flipped uh, away from the uh, Salt Lake Tribune. Is that uh, you think Desert News is going to be able be going to be willing to renegotiate that back to a more even split? Well, back, gosh, I'm trying to remember the years. I think uh, 2013 seems to ring a bell. Alden Global Capital owned us. And, um, yes, they negotiated, without any knowledge of the local management here, they negotiated an agreement with the Deseret News that was, um, it was lopsided. Uh, Deseret News got 70% of the profits. Um, Alden Global Capital liquidated our building. They, they sold off our printing assets. So the Deseret News actually owns all of those printing assets right now. And that's sort of their modus operandi. They've been bleeding their newspapers that they own completely dry. They lay off people um, consistently in their newspaper properties, uh, most recently the Denver Post. Uh, and, and that's even though they're making big profits. 
last year they reported, I think, 17% profit. That is really not the case here. <laughs> Paul Huntsman is losing money, and he's losing a lot of it. Um, and so there's, you know, the, I, I think that the hedge fund ownership um, was the 70 percent, 30 percent for the desert or for the Tribune, 70 percent for them. Um, Paul Huntsman, when he bought the paper in 2016, renegotiated that to a 60-40 split. Um, but still, you know, it's only 40 percent and the Tribune still has larger circulation. So I think there's still some some negotiating to go on there. I'm not in that room. I can't tell you exactly. But, um, you know, Paul has said time and again that he's committed to preserving the Tribune. He's committed to the partnership that we have with the Deseret News uh, through 2020. And um, 2020, who knows what's going to happen? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, let's take a break. When we come back, I'll uh, have an email from Steve, and you can email us as well. We'd love to get your perspective. What uh, What's your view of the newspapers? Are you a, a lover of newspapers, supportive of them? Do you... Uh, uh, do you have a fatalistic view of this, and uh, what do you think should uh, should happen? What do you think of the of the cuts there at the Tribune and happening uh, nationwide? Um, and what about that uh, reporting? If newspapers don't do it, who will? I want to get in talking about that. We'll get Steve's email in, and uh, yours hopefully as well. Uh, you can email us to upraccess at gmail.com, upraccess at gmail.com. We're on Twitter at UPR Access, and you can call us toll-free to 800-826-1495, 800-826-1495. More following this break. Programming on Utah Public Radio is made possible in part by our members and Utah Festival in Logan, Utah, with You're a Good Man, Charlie Brown. Charlie Brown is five years old and his world is hopelessly hopeless. The gang's all here, Lucy, Schroeder, Sally, and Snoopy. June 23rd through August 1st, details and tickets at utahfestival.org. Did you know that students perform better when their education is connected to their culture? Researchers have found that material is learned more easily and retained longer when it relates to aspects of a student's cultural heritage. In southern Utah, these findings are being implemented with Native American youth to help students learn engineering, math, and science principles. The projects that have been developed combine hands-on learning experiences with intergenerational learning, giving students an opportunity to work with their parents and grandparents. This segment of Did You Know That has been brought to you by our members and the Emma Eccles-Jones College of Education and Human Services, committed to mentoring tomorrow's educators, researchers, and clinicians, located on campuses in Logan and 26 other sites throughout Utah. Thanks for listening to Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams. We're talking about the newspaper industry, and uh, we are talking about uh, layoffs, cuts at Salt Lake Tribune. This is part of a nationwide trend. Cuts recently at the Ogden Standard Examiner as well. Our guest for the hour is Salt Lake Tribune editor Jennifer Napier-Pierce. You can reach us with your perspective. Love to get your perspective. Public radio audience, I think uh, very avid newspaper consumers. We want to know how you consume your newspapers. Is it online? Is it through print? 
what are you willing to pay? What do you, how do you value it? Or, or do you uh, just want to go into the, uh, the new world of uh, selling your eyeballs? Uh, you want, do you want free? What do you think about the paywalls? 800-826-1495 is the toll-free number, 800-826-1495. You can reach us by email to upraccess at gmail.com, upraccess at gmail.com. And uh, you can uh, join us on Twitter as well, at upraccess. So Jennifer Napier Pierce, here is an email from Steve. Steve says, I don't know uh, if it represents a trend or if it's bucking a trend, but I do know that there's been a real turnaround at the New York Times within the last year or so. Like the rest of the industry, the Times has been experiencing declining revenues and to a lesser extent declining readership. But uh, both of these trends have reversed, and revenue and readership are both on the upswing. Part of the reason revenue is up is that the Times paywall has been a big success. Readers, including me, says Steve, are happy to pay for the paper's opinion and reporting. Whether this can be replicated elsewhere is an open question. Steve goes on to say, let me also observe that declining newspaper readership, though accelerated by the advent of the Internet, is not really new. It's been going on for decades. In the 1970s, I was a reporter and editor at the Lewiston Sun in Maine, a morning newspaper. Our sister newspaper, the Lewiston Journal, published every afternoon, but no more. There's not enough readership in central Maine to support both a morning and an afternoon paper, and the two have long since been merged into what's now called the Lewiston Sun Journal. That's uh, Steve. Uh, thanks for that, Steve. So Jennifer Napier-Pierce, uh, yeah, the Times, is, you know, the Post, some, some national papers seem to have had a resurgence, uh, maybe in the age of Trump. I'm not sure what's accelerated that. Uh, that's right. Uh, I think there are select national newspapers that are finding success uh, and profits, which is great. Um, I, I will say that the New York Times has had layoffs. Um, I think within the last year or two, they laid off a bunch of uh, copy editing staff. They have streamlined, um, but their digital subscriptions are being embraced, which is terrific news for us. I think the um, the core difference, though, between regional newspapers and the national ones, they have scale. So they are appealing to a much broader audience than local newspapers like the one Steve mentioned up in Maine and the Salt Lake Tribune. I mean, the audience is just smaller. And uh, when you have smaller interests, you have uh, a smaller potential for for growth. Now, that's not to say that, um, you know, in, in a digital age, local newspapers can have uh, national and international reach, and I will say the Tribune has done very well um, in its uh, aggressive reporting of the LDS Church and its policies and and its leadership. Um, so those stories have a much broader audience, and that's been helpful for us because the Tribune is uh, really unique in that regard. But I, I just I can't compare the Tribune's. Uh, growth rate and structure and potential uh, to the New York Times, to the Washington Post. Uh, the Washington Post used to be much more of a regional newspaper, and it's only um, in recent years that it's, and part of this is because of Trump and because, because there's a, a very unique and dedicated interest in government watchdog reporting right now. Um, but, you know, some of those big brands, the Chicago Tribune, the, the L.A. Times, they, they have diminished a, a bit. And so the success stories are excellent and wonderful, and I celebrate them, but I can't say that it's a universal indicator for what local and regional newspapers are, are looking at. 
You mentioned the Tribune's Watchdog role in the LDS Church. I guess uh, on the opposite side, uh, Deseret News I mean, it has a broader reach because of, you know, uh, kind of the voice of the of the LDS Church uh, sort of a thing nationally and internationally. Uh, do you do papers like the Tribune then go, uh, apart from some things where you can go a little more national, do you, do you go hyper-regional? Do you go very local? Uh, well, I think right now we are very much focused on what's happening within the state. We're, we're focused on the people, the, the talking points, um, the issues that Utahns are particularly drawn to, what affects our lives on the ground. Um, Hyperlocal is in terms of, you know, going to every city council meeting uh, in every little city in town. That's just not a practical reality for the Tribune right now or for any news outlet, to be honest. I mean, I, I think that... Um, those days are, are sadly gone. We used to have bureaus across the state. We used to go to uh, every little school board meeting. Um, now we have to be much more selective, and we are looking for stories with impact. And so, um, you know, the news is, and the way we gather news is changing, and I think that um, I, I don't see a return to that anytime soon for, for us at the Tribune. I want to read you a quote from a recent article. I made reference to this in my open. Um, the article I made reference to is a, uh, a piece by Jack Schaefer in Politico. Um, and he just uh, he just takes for granted the newspaper industry's coming death. I think it's more he's, he's looking at the print side, but I'm, I'm not sure how wide he goes. And then he quotes, um, and by the way, he's talking about Alden uh, Capital and their ownership of the Denver Post. And he's saying, hey, don't blame Alden. Um, Alden's just squeezing as much money as they can out of a dying industry. Um, you know, kind of radical, but uh, it's one point of view. And then he quotes uh, Philip Meyer from his uh, book, uh, not from his book, The Vanishing Newspaper, but he, an email of conversation he had with Philip Meyer. This is Philip Meyer's words. The old model of general purpose newspaper fit the industrial age when advertisers needed mass audiences to sell the products of mass production. But the marketplace no longer supports the model of a few messages to many people. Now it's many messages, each to a few people. Um, and then Meyer has some prescriptions in his book. But first of all, I, and you, we've already addressed this, and you, would, you said you wouldn't still be there at the Trib if you thought it was a dying industry. Um, I, I wonder what uh, gives you hope. Let me phrase it that way. Uh, what gives me hope is that we can see we can see the impact that we're having in some of our reporting. I, uh, you know, we maybe two weeks ago we launched a, a lengthy series on um, law enforcement and PTSD, mental health issues, with people who are responding to death and destruction every single day. It's an important discussion, and we just got a tremendous amount of. Uh, support and um, commentary about how this is an issue that people don't talk about, how grateful people in law enforcement were that we're talking about it. Um, this extends to military service as well. So we have veterans coming out and saying, you know, we need to talk about these issues, traumatic issues, don't go away overnight. And when you are exposed to them day after day, um, you know, uh, uh, those in law enforcement, those who are uh, firefighters responding to disaster, they need to be able to talk and not be penalized for um, seeking help when they need it. That's an important discussion. And again, I think news outlets 
can drive really important community discussions. So, you know, that gives me hope that, you know, we're, we're making impact where we can. We had a, 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 a lengthy investigation recently um, up in your neck of the woods, Utah State University's piano department, and some abuse allegations that were going on up there, and the, the laudable response from USU's uh, administration to try and correct some of those problems. Um, but, you know, again, an investigation can really spur change, and that's what gives me hope with the Tribune. Also, I mean, we just got stories that bring you joy about uh, the way we live, uh, quirky Utah stories. We live in a very interesting place. And so I think um, stories show humanity and they show compelling interest in in change. And that gives me hope. I really don't think that journalism's importance is diminishing with its profits. It's more important than ever. And I'm hoping that your listeners and our audience and and Utahns generally will, will start to see the connections between the information they consume and uh, empowerment in creating change. I guess the danger is... Um, that it's uh, sort of like the arts. Um, you know, generally we're glad it's there. It enriches the community. Do I want to pay? Um, you know, do I actually go? Do I buy a ticket? Maybe not. And so that's, mm-hmm. that's the big, that's the disconnect sometimes, and that's the big, that's the big question, right? Yeah. Uh, it, <laughs> again, there, there is a, a premium price. There is a difference between seeing somebody uh, perform something compelling on stage and going to a movie, and the price reflects that. Uh, it's just um, a scale again. So your audience for a production can really only be as as big as the arena where it's being performed. So I, I mean, I, I see the the comparisons. I will say that um, digital is opening up a completely different avenue for the Tribune and other news outlets. So uh, there is potential for scale, and I, I again, it, it's a tricky proposition. I, I would never say that the art should go away. I I get your your point though, and to say that you know you can't be all things to all people is absolutely true. I don't think that the Salt Lake Tribune can be um, uh, all things to all people. On the other hand, I do think that we can do some stuff that nobody else can do, and it's that unique, compelling part. It doesn't have to be just government watchdogging. There's, we can fulfill a broader mission than that. I want to follow up a little bit. In fact, you, that, you know, you're quoting yourself there, uh, or restating it uh, in your note to, to readers, we simply can't be all things to all people or do things the way we used to. So um, what uh, what is the core mission then? Well, I mean, for the staff who are here, we've been working for the better part of a year on really focusing, trying to, to reshape the way we look at what news is, how we define that. So we've been trying to get rid of a lot of incremental coverage that doesn't seem to matter to our audience. Our audience does not click on, you know, the preliminary hearing for every court case. Those are not 
interesting. They're not as important. They're important for us to keep tabs on internally, but in terms of spending the time to report on those, those are low-impact stories. And so we really want to focus on the stuff that's truly important, that is explanatory, that is useful for our audience. And so in a lot of ways, we're thinking about audience um, and putting them at the forefront of what we do. We want to make sure that what we reflect is what people need to navigate life in Utah today. Um, that's not to say that we're only going to go after the most prurient stories or, you know, it's that question about what you need versus what you want. Um, we're going to give lots of stuff that you need, and it, it may, not translate, may not translate into large audience, but it, it's meaningful audience. It's audience that uh, can make change and is driving policies in Utah. So uh, we, we think we're trying to strike a, a very healthy balance between those two. Let's take another break. We'll come back with a final segment with Jennifer Napier-Pierce. She's editor of the Salt Lake Tribune. Uh, cuts recently at the Trib uh, follows a, a national trend. And we're talking about the future of uh, newspapers, both nationally and locally. We'd love to get your perspective. 800-826-1495 or upraccess at gmail.com. I'd really appreciate uh, um, getting your perspective on how you consume your news personally. Uh, is it, uh, you know, do you get it on uh, Twitter, uh, Facebook, um, you know, other platforms? Do you go digitally to the newspaper? Do you, do you receive the print edition? Um, and what do you think about the changes and, and the future of newspapers? 800-826-1495, upraccess at gmail.com, upraccess at gmail.com. Or you can join us on Twitter at upraccess. More following this break. I'm Peter O'Dowd. Could requiring more math and science classes in high school lead to less binge drinking among students? A new study says yes. They start to become more interested in post-secondary education, in college, and in different kinds of career paths. And that leads them to make different choices in the present. That's next time on Here and Now. Join us this morning at 11 on Utah Public Radio. I'm Spencer Holsey, an Access Utah producer here at Utah Public Radio. One of my jobs here at UPR is to bring you the stories that you want to hear. But in order for that to happen, I need to hear from you first. If you have comments, story ideas, or questions for any of us at the station, we'd love to hear them. You can visit our website at upr.org or call us at 1-800-826-1495. You can also share story ideas with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just be sure to include the hashtag IAMUPR. Thanks for listening. Oftentimes, it's government that winds up helping the underserved, but one town in West Texas is doing things itself. Philanthropy is part of how you're raised here, and it's part of what you're taught to do. It's ingrained that you are going to give back. I'm Kai Rizdal, a culture of philanthropy, next time on Marketplace. Join us tonight at 6.30 on Utah Public Radio.
Thanks for joining us for Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams. My guest for the hour is uh, Salt Lake Tribune editor Jennifer Napier-Pierce. We appreciate your taking some time to be with us today. Uh, cuts uh, uh, to the staff at the Tribune recently. Uh, cuts also at the Ogden Center Examiner. There have uh, been cuts to other papers in Utah. And this uh, follows a national trend. And we're talking about the future of uh, newspapers on the program today you can join us at upraccess at gmail.com upraccess at gmail.com or on twitter at upraccess um so jennifer Dapier pierce i want to uh, maybe have you respond to uh, something our friend uh, matt laplante said uh, responding to a reporter for the for upr here uh journalism professor at usu uh madeline mortensen you can find this at upr.org um, she asked uh, Matt LaPlante um, about, um, you know, the, the stellar reporting at the Trib, uh, specifically the uh, reporting on sexual assault on campuses, which won the Tribune uh, the Pulitzer Prize. And uh, she asked him, do you think that reporting would have happened if the Tribune weren't around? And his response was, uh, taking nothing away from the, he says, the stellar reporting at the Tribune, he likes to think that that would have happened uh, without the Tribune. I wonder what your thought is. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's speculation. I, I think that the reporting specifically at BYU likely would not have happened. I I can't imagine another news outlet that had the the firepower and also the the motivation and the ability to do that kind of reporting. Um, I don't think there's another news organization in the state that could have done it as well or as in depth. Uh, the Deseret News, no slight to my colleagues there, but they could not have done that because of their ownership. So I, I would disagree with Matt on that one. I do think that um, you would probably get some bits and pieces, but you would not have gotten the holistic, um, very aggressive reporting that we've had. I mean, the, the Tribune continues to fight for access to BYU Police Department records. We had a hearing, I think it was this week, um, talking about or asking the court to, to please consider BYU Police Department a public entity that is subject to the requirements of government records laws. So it's not like this work has gone away, and nobody else is really doing that. We're alone in that case. Um, And it takes a large news organization like the Tribune to be able to do that heavy lifting. Smaller news outlets simply can't afford it. They don't have the staff. They don't have um, the, the depth of experience. So I think you probably would have gotten some reporting around the edges, but you would have not seen the um, the aggressive reporting that we did here at the Tribune. I, I just, I fundamentally disagree with that. There are many different platforms, of course, uh, today, and uh, of course, opportunity for people, you know, citizen journalists, uh, individuals to do reporting. Um, I guess uh, what you would say is, is uh, there, there needs to be a critical mass. There needs to be an organization. There needs to be what uh, editing at a bigger platform. Yeah, you know, I, I don't think that newspapers can ever be supplanted by the the blogosphere. I, I I love how democracy is is 
is changed right now with um, digital media, that people can go off and they can spout and write and, and rant and rave, and it's terrific. They can share it within a split second. The problem is uh, journalism is just a different animal. You, reporters go through a very rigorous process, and it's not just opinionating off of the top of your head. There's a lot of research required. There is editing that goes into it, fact-checking, analysis, um, lots of interviews, lots of documents, lots of document requests um, that are f sadly frequently denied and we have to fight for them. Um, those are the benefits that come with a newspaper, with a news organization that is larger than um, one person. And so, you know, th that work will continue. The Tribune is very committed to continuing that watchdog fun function. And there are other media organizations depending on uh, newspapers like the Salt Lake Tribune. It's just the way it happens. Um, public radio, UPR included, um, you know, <laughs> depends on some of our reporting. It, you know, it's filtered through Associated Press, but uh, the initiator of a lot of the reporting are the newspapers. Um, and I, I, I don't know if uh, anybody else could pick up that slack if the Tribune or other newspapers were gone. Well, I love radio, as you know. I spent 15 years in public radio, and I, it's, it's a first love. But you're right. I mean, the resources are not there um, for a full-scale uh, full assault on any one issue. You have to really pick and choose. And radio, in particular, relies on, on newspaper coverage to do some of that initial heavy lifting and um, and to see stories through. I do think that there is somewhat of a, a, a trickle-down effect. So when we report a story, uh, new, news, other newspapers pick it up, smaller newspapers, uh, TV stations, uh, radio stations, they all are sort of tipped off by the lead. So we're the, the tip of the spear on a lot of things. And if newspapers are weakened, that hurts everybody's ability to to produce news, and um, I guess for the consuming public as well. Mm -hmm. There are some radio stations, for example, uh, trying to ramp up the original reporting, investigative reporting. Uh, outfits like ProPublica, um, you, I don't know, do you see hope or do you see competition in that uh, those sorts of outfits, or, or is that just a small blip on the, on the radar? Oh, you know, I, I love that we have a rich and growing news uh, environment now. Um, I, I think for targeted issues like ProPublica, they're taking a very um, uh, laser-like approach to news. Community newspapers really don't have that option. And so we, we do need to look at our communities as a whole. I think our community, I think Utah would suffer if we cut out chunks of what we cover significantly. I will say, you know, the layoffs are make that more difficult. You can do less with fewer bodies. There's, there's no question. Mm. And we lost a lot of really great, uh, a lot of talent, and um, that's what makes this so painful. But we also have a lot of good talent who is staying, who's dedicated, and I, I, I don't know. I, I, I think competition is good for all of us. Um, I don't see smaller outfits as the competition necessarily. Um, ProPublica's mission is very different from what we do. Mm -hmm. well, 
I guess your hope would be the laid off reporters find work somewhere, but uh, there are a lot of papers laying off reporters. Where do, where do these journalists go? It's actually interesting. Um, I think there is sort of a doom and gloom, but the reporters that I have uh, had to let go, uh, some of them have been tweeting about job offers. I know one um, one person in particular, when she came in for her interview, her exit interview, she was my first one, and she said um, she'd already been contacted by two other local news outlets. So I do think that there's there are people who are hiring, which is great, and I'm very happy to hear that. It's not, not all in newspapers, I will say, um, but there are jobs out there. Um, but newspapering has never been for the faint of heart. <laughs> uh, this has been a tumultuous business for for quite a few years, and so um, I, I'm glad that people are able to find jobs and. Um, I wish everybody well uh, and happy to give recommendations because this is not through any fault of theirs. Mm. What are the dangers, do you think, if newspapers continue to decline? We hope they don't, of course. Uh, um, If they do, for example, um, many newspapers in Utah now are owned by big national outfits. Tribune was owned briefly by Alden, right? Uh, Mm -hmm. their, Their model is to squeeze and squeeze and raise subscription prices, uh, get as much money out of uh, what Jack Schaefer would call a dying industry. Um, the, I guess fewer voices. And yeah. uh, I was reading... Yeah, I mean, I think that's the danger for some of the, the larger newspaper change, uh, chains. Uh, much of what they publish is um, it's sort of sterile. It's, it's uniform. And they're trying to be a local newspaper, but most of their content is national and so in order to retain that local flavor, I, I do think that you have to have a newsroom that's bigger than two people, um, because two people, no matter how dedicated they are, can only do what two people can. Um, I, I think it's a mistake for, lo- uh, for local newspapers to, to try and be something that they're not. Local newspapers should serve the local community. We've really targeted Utah. Um, and again, trying to deploy the resources as, as much as we can to the places that um, have the most impact. Um, we know that, and, and to respond to audience desires and needs. We know that public lands, environmental issues, air quality is a huge thing for Utahns. And so we'll continue to, to cover that quite aggressively. We know that um, government, state government watchdogging federal government, those are really important key issues for Utahns to know uh, in order to uh, empower them to make good choices as citizens. We know that uh, the citizen initiatives coming up, those are big deals, and um, Utahns don't have a lot of experience with initiatives, and let alone to have four on the November ballot. And so there's going to be a lot of reporting there, uh, and we're going to make it interesting and a must-read for for our consumers out there. But I just want to pause there. Just It's just so interesting. And, and you uh, you triggered something. Yeah, Utah doesn't have much uh, experience uh, with initiatives. I don't know if you know of other states. It's uh, What I'm noticing is the skullduggery that's... Uh, that's happening around the initiatives. Oh, yes. <laughs> it's, a, it's a proud tradition uh, with those states who have 
I, 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 I don't know all of the particulars, but, uh, you know, you see California, and they'll have many initiatives on their ballots. Um, I don't know if their requirements to get on the ballot are as stringent as Utah's, but, um, yeah, when you have tight requirements, there's going to be some scuffling around. And um, so... Yeah, I think that when you have a lot at stake, you'll do what you need to do. And that's what we're seeing here locally. <laughs> we, we've seen some outfits who uh, have this competing narrative. Well, you've signed a petition. You put your signature on paper. Well, they didn't tell that person the truth. And it goes on and on and on. And it's the lieutenant governor's office that's going to have to sort it out. We, I mean, we're doing a lot of reporting around that. And it'll be really interesting, I think, in the next few months to see the, the rhetoric surrounding these initiatives. Um, they're just a, a different animal from your traditional candidate campaigns. So um, actually, I'm pretty excited to cover that. It'd be interesting to see the legislature's response. We've already seen some. Legislature does not like initiatives. Uh, they've made that very no. clear. No. Uh, well, I mean, in some regards, you they could look at it as uh, a usurpation of what they think is their mandate from voters. Um, uh, I, 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 I understand their hesitancy, and democracy is messy, especially when you have lots of cooks in the kitchen. Um, on the other hand, it's it's really great to see people stepping up and getting involved, and at a very grassroots level, um, I just I just think it's a, a wonderful dynamic for our democracy to see so many people involved right now. Just have a couple minutes left. We had a we've had a email come in from Rob. Um, Rob has emailed us to upraxcess at gmail.com. This is what Rob says. The joint operating agreement mentioned earlier also protected the two newspapers from antitrust litigation for carving up the advertising market. Might more decentralized voices be better than two big voices marginalizing the rest? Huh, that's interesting. Um, I'm not sure if I've got a, a, a great answer for that. I'm I'm all for more Newspapers. I, I I think it's great. I think it's um, healthy for citizens to have lots of different perspectives at their fingertips. Um, you know, we have a joint operating agreement between two newspapers um, because we're in the same marketplace. We are both Utah-wide distribution networks. Um, smaller newspapers probably can't join those JOAs because they don't have the same footprint. But honestly, I don't, I don't know the answer to that question. Mm. Uh, as we reach the end here, uh, I wonder, this is, you know, the, the Trib, along with other newspapers, has been trying different things. Uh, now a kind of a reset. Uh, the publisher, Paul Huntsman, said this is, you know, it's, the, the revenues are plummeting faster than he thought they would. Um, painful cuts now, not only to the staff, but some other cuts on the print side. Has this stabilized the Tribune looking forward? I guess you don't have a crystal ball, but do you, are you confident that uh, things will stabilize from here forward? Well, he, he's absolutely said he's committed to preserving the Tribune as an independent voice well into the future. Um, so I don't think that these were <laughs> these cuts, I can assure you, were not motivated to line his pockets. Um, the Tribune has been losing a lot of money. And so will these... Will these layoffs be enough? I'm, I'm hoping. Um, there's no intention 
of anyone in ownership or, or management to do further layoffs. But again, the, the JOA runs through 2020, and I don't know what the Tribune will look like after that. Um, I don't know what our print cycle will be. I don't know how uh, healthy we can grow on the digital side. Um, a lot of factors, a lot of things are in flux right now. And I, I, I know that what Paul has said, and it's been um, emphatic that he has made strategic investments into a digital future. He wants to continue print as long as it is financially viable. And he sees the Tribune as a community asset. He wants the community to be part of our sustenance. And so, you know, our readers, um, if you value what you read, we ask for you to pay a small amount every month. I mean, that is going to be a key part of our success going into the future. I was just going to ask you what uh, what the ask is. I guess the ask is subscriptions. Subscriptions, um, you know, coming to our public events, continuing to, to listen to our products. We've got a number of podcasts. We've got uh, sign up for newsletters um, to to be part of an institution that has been here since 1871, um, not to take it for granted. And I think for a, a long time, uh, people have taken the Solid Tribune as just, oh, well, it's a staple, and it'll survive no matter what I do. Um, at some point, there needs to be some investment from our community to, to make it remain as healthy as, as possible in a very turbulent environment. Jennifer Napier-Pierce, editor of the Salt Lake Tribune, has joined us. Uh, Jennifer, thank you so much. Hey, thanks very much, Tom. And thanks for listening to Access Utah. A statewide service of Utah State University's College of Humanities and Social Sciences. This is KUSR Logan, KUSUFM Logan, KUSK Vernal, KUSL Richfield, Moab, KUST Price, KCEU, and streaming online at upr.org.